5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Flagship station of the ECU Pirates. <laughs> okay, uh, welcome in on what has become a uh, very active and busy afternoon. The one thing about uh, these afternoon shows, you really don't know when something uh, is going to break or something's going to happen or something crazy pops off. Everyone, a little breaking news for you. Cam Hayes eligible to play tomorrow night in... Uh, the uh, game in Lakeland, Florida, against the Florida Gators. A new court decision means ECU guard Cam Hayes is now eligible for at least the next 14 days. The Pirates can utilize the transfer guard from LSU over the next two games. Reading from uh, Igo's article posted as breaking news just uh, a few minutes ago on Hoist the Colors. The new court decision and subsequent announcement from the NCAA means ECU guard Cam Hayes will be eligible to suit up for the first time for the Pirates in Thursday night's matchup against the Florida Gators in Lakeland, Florida, news broke on Wednesday that a federal judge issued a 14-day temporary restraining order against the NCAA for denying immediate eligibility to two-time transfers. The next hearing is scheduled on December 27th, and as a result, all two-time transfers are eligible to play through that date, and that includes Hayes. Uh, the two games the Pirates have in that window are the Florida game in Lakeland tomorrow night, and then next Wednesday, a week from tonight, at home against Delaware State. Now, uh, it's my understanding, according to some stuff I was just reading before we went on the show here from the NCAA, uh, they are saying that it will not impact their, uh, this 14-day window will not impact eligibility. So if... The, however, the court rules the 27th. If they decide uh, the NCA is within their right, you can't, they can deny two-time transfers eligibility immediately, then Cam Hayes would theoretically be eligible to play a couple of games, hopefully play those games, and uh, do well. And, uh, and then if he were unable to play for the rest of the uh, season, he would still be eligible for two years. It's the long and the short of it based on what a spokesman for the NCAA was saying. Uh, this is the NCAA statement after the ruling as a result of, de- of de- 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 Let me start this again. Words are hard sometimes, Phil. As a result of today's decision impacting uh, Division One athletes, the association will not enforce the year of residency requirement for multiple-time transfers and will begin notifying member schools. Uh, schools who place such players during this window will not be retroactively punished if the ruling is overturned later. A normal example of a punishment for using an ineligible player would be a forfeit. Uh, and uh, we have, again, found out that if a player plays in this window, it will not cost them eligibility. They will uh, not lose a full year. They could still redshirt. Um, let's see here. Uh, of course, this was, I'm just going through the articles now. The one as it pertains to ECU was uh, Mike Schwartz's statement right before Thanksgiving when he was denied. Uh, and uh, again, we, we 
felt like something was going to happen on this yesterday, uh, today, based on what basically I've been told since Monday. And I think we told you all that, that there would be something going on, uh, like this. Now, I thought the NCAA was prepared to make a decision based on the, uh, appeal of the, uh, of the original denial. Uh, but this lawsuit, which was brought on by attorneys general from around the country, not just Josh Stein in, in this state, but also in other uh, jurist or other states as well, uh, has has basically uh, allowed a two week window. Now I'm no legal person, I'm no David Glenn, but I do have to kind of wonder: Will if they're gonna if they're gonna play anyway during this 14 day stretch potentially? Does it? Can, can you put the genie back in the bottle? Uh, legally, you know, I just kind of wonder what would uh, what would happen there. But that's the big piece of news. Cam Hayes uh, eligible for the game tomorrow because of this uh, window. While there we uh, await a court decision, um, so we'll see. What obviously helped the Pirates is great athlete, uh, probably the best shooter on the roster. Now he has not played, you know, in any game action, so I don't would expect him to come out and be firing threes and loading it up, but I'm sure he will, uh, you know, I think getting in and getting a little bit of run is not out of the question. We'll find out more hopefully uh, in the next 24 hours, maybe even here for the show. I've got some text out to some people on uh, this matter, and, uh, you know, just to get a definitive word if, if Hayes is a go tomorrow uh, with this ruling. Shoot, would we see him? I mean, we would expect him to play 30 minutes, but you might see him out there for a little bit tomorrow if he is good to go. The other piece of information, I've got my prepared material here on this, is uh, the releasing of the football schedule from the American, at least the opponents. So the Pirates know their first four games and the dates based on, uh, you know, the uh, for the upcoming football schedule, Norfolk State at ODU, App State at Liberty. Uh, starting in late August and uh, running through the first three weekends in September, where uh, the other dates will be filled in. East Carolina doesn't know yet, but what they do know is who they'll be playing. Uh, the American releasing that schedule today. Army added to the mix, of course, and that's one of the opponents the Pirates will have. Their road games will start there at Charlotte, at North Texas, at Tulsa, and at Army. Uh, for the uh, road games, it is uh, FAU in Greenville for the first time, Navy, Temple, and UTSA. So a couple of uh, opponents that uh, run the triple option. I wonder how they will be laid out, and I wonder if they'll be played kind of close to each other in, in some way. I wouldn't anticipate back-to-back weeks, but that would be really tough. But I would maybe anticipate, it'd be interesting to see if it's going to be close. But having to get ready for the uh, for the, uh, the triple option twice. Of course, Army's shown a little more diversity in their offense this past year. That was on display last weekend at times against uh, Navy. Uh, Pilk, I was looking. By the way, Philip the Ref Pilkington producing today's show. Pilk, I was looking at. Uh, <laughs> I was taking a look at the records. Now we we know this because. This may not matter very much because you've got things can change, especially with some. I mean, we're already seeing Charlotte is an active shopper in the transfer portal and will continue to be. 
Uh, I got to imagine UTSA will have a strong NIL or a strong uh, portal presence. You know, Navy and Army, not so much. Uh, I would suspect Tulsa and Temple aren't real strong right now with their NIL as far as the portal goes. They could offer opportunity. Uh, North Texas, FAU may be about the same. I'm, I'm waiting also, too, to see some of the numbers in the uh, league that I know the ECU football folks were compiling to see where NIL, where the program stacks up. Uh, obviously, I think Old Dominion would be an attractive destination for certain guys in the portal, App State, maybe Liberty as well. Liberty's got some money. But uh, of the opponents that the Pirates would play next season, three of them had winning records this season. Liberty undefeated, Appalachian State won eight, as did UTSA. Of course, they're all going to a bowl game. Uh, Army at six and six. I don't think they're going bowl. I think I heard that they were, you know, they neither one of them, Navy or Army, were going to be able to go to a bowl. Yeah, they got snubbed. Minnesota got in at yeah. five and seven, but Army got snubbed. Yeah, so Army not going bowling, but six and six. And then you've got Old Dominion at six and six, and they are going bowling. So the winning pers- ECU's record against their non-conference opponents for next year, their record against them this year, 0-1, that was lost at App, and a winning percentage of uh, 6-12. For the home games, the Pirates' uh, opponents, they were 1-2 and two against those opponents last year, FAU, Navy, Temple, UTSA, and a winning percentage this year combined of 4-12 for that group. Uh, the road opponents, 0-1, the only one they played was Charlotte. That was the homecoming loss. And uh, those opponents, including Army 6-6 six and six, and uh, the five-win North Texas season, they were 37.5 winning percentage. So overall, the winning percentage, and this is also factoring in Navy at 13-0, and 469. That was the winning percentage this year of the opponents that the Pirates will play next year. The AAC opponents, a winning percentage of less than 30% of their wins. Now, I know that things will change dramatically because you have the portal. You have, you know, signing day coming up. And if people go the JUCO route, guys that are ready made and ready to go, we'll see how the portal shapes all this as well. But, uh, you know, I, I would think FAU might be a little bit different. They kind of faded down the stretch after having a chance to kind of get bowl eligible late. That pirate loss was was a bad one. So you don't really – it's going to be the second year of Tom Herman. You really don't know what's going on there. Navy, it's not going to be awful, I don't think, but they're not – they're going to be a little older, but they're not going to be shoppers in the portal in any way. Uh, so you'd expect their record to be anywhere from that five to seven wins given the current makeup of the roster. Temple, uh, second year that their coach is in the program there – Program's got a lot of problems now. Maybe they are active shoppers in the portal. I, I don't can't imagine that's the case. And then UTSA very much is, and I think will be the team to beat in the American next year if if we're doing that way too early. Uh, Charlotte should be greatly enhanced just based on talent. Uh, North Texas again, I, I think will be better. But uh, Tulsa, I can't imagine that situation is really strong with their uh, NIL others. So it's a manageable schedule on paper, but things could change so drastically because of everything that is uh, going on with the uh, 
Portal and the NIL, and who's who are serious shoppers in it. Speaking of shopping, is it nine shopping days left? It is, isn't it? So Christmas, nine shopping days. Uh, I don't know. Today's the thirteenth. We're twelve days away. That's all. Yeah. I, know. I don't know what classifies as a shopping day. Yeah, it's nine shopping day. Christmas Eve. Okay, Christmas Eve. So yeah, eleven days. No, it's eleven. Eleven shopping days. Fading fast, mentally, Pilk. Fading fast. You ever been a math guy? You're the English guy. You can spell. I can do math. I am not the math guy. And I'm not the speller. Far from the math guy as you ever want to be. All right. um, Big news today, of course. The breaking news. Cam Hayes immediately eligible for the Pirates game tomorrow against Florida down in Lakeland. Uh, Philip the Rep Pilkington will have an update on that coming up. All right. We're taking a timeout. And when we return... By popular demand, Doug Martin returns. We'll talk uh, some of these college quarterbacks and how they project out the pros and uh, also uh, talk about some of the early bowl games. The great Doug Martin from the coast when we come back. Taking the rage out of your drive home. No big deal. Patrick Johnson on 94.3 The Game and the new IBX Media app. Okay, uh, let's go down to Carteret County where uh, Doug Martin joins us here on the Patrick Johnson Show on this uh, Wednesday. Coach, how's it going? Uh, Doing great, Patrick. How you doing? Doing well. Thank you for doing this again. You got a lot of reaction last week. I don't know if I told you. You got a lot of reaction last week from... uh, of the listenership. Uh, um, probably just my wife calling in in support. <laughs> hey, what? Uh, how was the fishing this morning, Doug? How what? You were out on the boat this morning, right? You, you know what? I, I didn't get to go out. I ended up having to do some USFL work today. So now we're going tomorrow, uh, Friday, Saturday. We'll get we'll get three days in a row coming up. So we'll see what okay. happens. Okay. Are you taking the boat out, or are you just you just casting from the beach? What are we doing here? Oh no, no, I'm going in the boat. Well, once you, I'm, I'm in the boat almost, almost every day. I'm in the boat now. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, I, I are you going to take it to Birmingham with you when you? That's the question. I don't know. I tell you what, we got so much going on with that merger between the XFL and USFL right now. There's a lot of things up in the air for us. So we'll see what happens when the season starts and and who's going to be involved. There's a lot of moving parts to that right now. Ah, I hear you. Well. Good luck with it. Hey, worst case, you're always doing, uh, you're always on the boat. Worst case. So. No doubt. There um, could be worse things. Yes, there could be worse things. All right. Uh, I wanted to talk uh, about some of the early bowl games. And I also wanted to talk a little bit about, um, some of the quarterbacks with Drake May deciding, you know, he's going to go to the, the NFL. But before we get into that, just kind of a follow up for last week. I think you were prophetic in a lot of what you were talking about with this potential subdivision in the NCAA. Uh, we had, uh, John Gilbert on Stephen Igo's show. Uh, was that, uh, was that Tuesday pilk or was that, it was Monday, I believe. Yeah, it was Monday. Monday. But he said you're, you're talking 30 or 40 institutions. And obviously with the Title IX situation, either way, there's going to be legal challenges because you can see players that are earning the money, not wanting to share it 
with, you know, non-rev athletes. That's what John believes. Anyway, yeah, I just, you've had a chance to have it to digest. This was fairly new when we talked to you about it, uh, the other day. Uh, and I don't think your thinking has changed on anything, but what are the other pratfalls that you're seeing as this, you know, everybody's well, had a chance to kind of delve into this a little bit. Yeah. Here's one of the things that uh, there was a red flag for me, Patrick, and I would really pay attention to is, so let's say that it is 30 teams that separate and go to this new division. Well, one of the things that's stated in this proposal is that they're going to make their own rules, meaning their coaching staff can be as large as they want it to be, meaning I would assume their scholarship roster can be as big as they want it to be. So right now everybody's limited to 85 scholarships in football. Well, who's to say that those schools don't say we want 100? And now all of a sudden, you're, you know, more athletes are leaving from the other divisions to go be involved with those guys. Um, you know, back when I was coming out of high school, there was no limits to your roster. I mean, Alabama would have 120 guys on their football team, and they did that to take away players from Auburn. And so I think that's – if you're not careful, that's where you're going to start to head again. And, of course, all the players are going to want to be in that division because they're going to get more money. And uh, I don't know. There's some real pitfalls right now. That group being able to make their own rules. And so what are their rules for as far as tampering and being able to get other players from other teams that aren't in their division? Uh, if there's no rules, then they've got free reign to do whatever they want. And that's where it looks like to be. It's headed, which is a scary thing. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, before we get into the quarterbacks, uh, Drake May and, of course, uh, Tez Walker, uh, there's, there's another one or two, uh, that, uh, from the UNC side of things have decided, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna get ready for the NFL draft. I know Notre Dame and the Sun Bowl had an offensive lineman yesterday or today make that declaration, uh, that he's gonna, you know, sit out, uh, that bowl game, which is a sellout, by the way, down in El Paso, Texas. Um, but when you look at, you know, coach, how this whole thing, uh, you know, with the, with the players not playing in the bowl game, I have to imagine that some of them, if they're getting NIL money, the NIL money would almost require them to play in these games. And if the bowl structure maintains for these teams that uh, go and do their own thing and the schools are paying them, I guess the schools would want them to be playing in, you know, any kind of postseason and not sitting yeah, out. Yeah. I think that's the rub, though. Right now, the NIL money is not coming from the schools, correct? So, right, they really can't force them to play. Yeah, so they, yeah, theoretically, exactly. But they can't force them to play. But if you go to the model they're talking about, where that money actually does come from the schools, at least that new division, then I think they would have some stroke to make them, you know, responsible for playing in the game. But to me, that's what makes the bowl game so impossible to predict right now. I mean, you have Sam Hartman, who left Wake Forest to go to Notre Dame, got a million dollars, and now all of a sudden he's not playing in their bowl game. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, how, how do you recover from that? I mean, I just say what, what value do those bowls have when the best players are not playing in them anymore? It's a shame where it's all gone. I just like to say I don't know how you predict any of these games because you don't know really who's going to play and who's not going to play. And bowl games were always decided by the team that was the most motivated to be there was usually the team that won. And, um, you know, right now you don't know who's motivated to be there. 
We're talking to uh, Doug Martin here. Let's let's jump into the the quarterbacks and kind of how you see they they project out. Let's start with uh, well Drake May. You know, it's, I guess it's he and Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams winning the Heisman last year. Uh, you know, had a pretty good season, obviously, but uh, you know, there's there's some questions about him going into the draft process. Out of those two, is would you say the first quarterback taken? comes from from that group or that pair? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I, I would think probably Caleb Williams, uh, you know, but if you're getting ready to start your franchise or you're wanting to, to build a franchise in the NFL, those are two great prospects right there. I don't think you'll get much better than those two guys. Your Caleb Williams is, you know, I got to see him play. My son-in-law coaches at Arizona State, and they were playing USC, and I got to be there and see him. I mean, he – he is a physical freak. Now I'm telling you, that's a big, he looks like a linebacker and can run and can make any throw you want to make. I think he's a really intelligent player. He's got great anticipation. So, I mean, he has all the tools. And then Drake May's the same way. And, you know, you're still talking about a big guy again that's athletic and can run. And I think that's the thing with both these guys. They're both mobile, which is really where the game is headed now. You don't see many drop back passers in the NFL anymore anyway. Um, both these guys can do that, and both these guys have great arms. So, you know, toss it up. Whoever gets those two guys, you're both winning. Um, what do you like about uh, Drake May, and, and what do you think at the next level would be some things that would be concerns for, for teams? You know, I think he's got great vision of the field. You can really see from the pocket he sees the field. He anticipates throws. That Those are some things that you can't coach with a quarterback. It's God-given. They can either do it or they can't. You might be able to improve things a little bit. But, like, being able to see from the pocket and when defensive linemen who are 6'5 and with their arms up are in your face and still being to have that focus to anticipate receivers coming open and have the ability to accurately put the ball there, I mean, that, that's a special thing. And, and you can't really teach the, the focus of being able to see from the pocket. Accuracy is something that really doesn't change very much from the time they go to high school till they're through in college. However accurate they are, it may improve a little bit, but those things are not going to improve a lot. Um, so, you know, I think both those guys, Drake May certainly has that. I, mean, I love the way he anticipates throws. He sees guys coming open. He gets the ball out. He doesn't get rattled. Uh, he can move. He's moletic. Uh, again, I think you're dealing with a really intelligent football player. Yeah, I think both those guys, you, the only thing you worry about with them are, are injuries, you know, and, and right. getting with the right, getting with the right program and people that know how to develop a quarterback. When you throw a rookie quarterback out there, that NFL game, man, it's a different speed than the college game. The college game is a different speed than the high school game. It's a, there's a learning curve. And so, you know, you can really ruin a guy if you put him out there too early. Bill Walsh was the best at, you know, building quarterbacks, giving them a little bit of time to get them acclimated but playing them a little bit so they get a taste of it and then bringing them on. Right. Uh, you don't see that done much anymore because of the money in, in pro football right now. They really kind of throw those guys out to the wolves. Um, so, you know, Bryce Young is an example. I think Bryce Young's a tremendous talent, but I think he's getting ruined in Carolina because he's getting the heck right. beat out of him every week. And, you know, it's hard to stand in there and make the throws that you can make when you know you're getting ready to get hit and your confidence takes a beating. So, you know, both those guys going to the right teams, uh, Boy, both franchises will, will prosper with those guys. They also um, just no help. They've got no help there. 
in, uh, right. in Carolina. And that, that's um, what you don't want to see these two guys go into because the, right. the injury thing is what the injury thing is what ruins one of these type players. You know, Caleb Williams and Drake May are generational players, but you go out there and separate a throwing shoulder, they may never recover. And that's the right. thing. It's not putting them too early. Make sure you're putting them in a good position. We're talking uh, with uh, Coach Doug Martin here. Uh, of course, coached a couple stops collegiately, now calling plays in the USFL, ECU offensive coordinator for many, many years under uh, Steve Logan. Um, let, me, let me ask you a little bit about – well, I'll come back to that now. I'll ask you about the Tar Heels specifically in a little bit. Uh, a couple other players. Uh, Daniels. LSU, the Heisman, what uh, what do you like about him, and what, what do you think the drawbacks would be? Yeah, again, you're looking at a guy that has all those same skills we just talked about. He can run. He's got toughness. And I saw him play banged up a lot this year and, and still competed. Um, great arm, great anticipation, same things. I would really worry a little bit more with him about the injury situation than may, maybe May, Caleb, uh, may uh, Caleb Williams or Drake May. Right. Because Daniels is a little bit slighter built, you know he's he's tall, but he's not as muscular as those two guys. So I think that's the one thing with him that would be the only, you know, thing you'd be a little bit more concerned about. You know, Caleb Williams, like I said, he looks like a linebacker. He can take those hits. Right. You know, yeah. Drake May, kind of the same way. Daniels, I think, is a little a little bit behind those guys physically in 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 those terms. How about JJ McCarthy, Michigan? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm not sure that he has the the skills that we're talking about, you know, the, the anticipation of throws. I don't think he sees the field as well as these type of guys. I don't think he's as accurate as, as those top three guys you just talked about right there. I think he's probably another notch down. I think, you know, really you're looking at Penix and Bo Nix from Oregon. Are right. the next two guys that I would say, you know, Penix, I'd worry a little bit about the injury thing too, slightly built and those type of things. Bo Nix, I think, is just a winner. I think he's kind of like Purdy with the San Francisco 49ers right now. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that I think just knows how to win. By the way, Patrick, Brock Purdy, San Francisco 49ers, yeah. had one scholarship right. offer until the last week of recruiting. You know who that offer was from? Was it Kent? Uh, was it New Mexico State? It was New Mexico State was the only team to offer. We offered Brock Purdy. We were the only team to offer him a, a scholarship. And Iowa State lost the kid they wanted. And they came in the very last week of recruiting and offered him. <coughs> Coach, you wouldn't have the well, you might have a bigger boat had he gone. Well, there. exactly. You know, he, I might have a yacht. You never know what might happen. <laughs> I can about, tell you so uh, many of those so many of those stories. Oh, Pat I bet. McAfee, who has, Pat McAfee, who has his own show now, right? The kicker? Right, yeah. He was committed to us at, at Kent State and had really? no other offers. And he went to a kicking combine down in Florida and West Virginia saw him and offered him and took him on that one. So there you go. It happens all the time. Uh, that's, all that's, the time. The, that's the tough thing. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you before we, uh, Shadir Sanders. Yeah. I, I, uh, you know, I think he really needs some work. You know, he, he's got some skills. He throws the ball uh, nice. I don't think he has a really strong arm, but he's accurate. He throws a nice deep ball. Um, again, you know, he, he needs to bulk up a little bit. I don't know that he really sees the field as well, again, as those other guys, but I think he's got the potential to really get there. But I, I, I really think two two more years in college in a good system would really help him a lot before he went to the NFL. I think the danger with him is coming out too early. 
All right, I want to ask you about some early bowl games, and I want to ask you about uh, something with the UNC program and just Mac Brown and all that. So I, I'm going to impose on you here and ask, can you stay through the, the update and the break, and we talk to you in the uh, next segment? Sure, sounds good. All right, Doug Martin with us. Right now, Philip the Ref Pilkington with a 94-3 the game. Sports update and ECU Pirate Report. Take it away, Pilk. Thank you, Patrick. Starting in Pirate Athletics, after today's NCAA hearings, there was a ruling passed by a federal judge in West Virginia that will allow players who are two-time transfers to be eligible to play for the or until their next court hearing on December 27th, two weeks from today, meaning Pirate transfer Cam Hayes will be eligible for tomorrow night's contest at Florida, as well as next week's December the 20th game when the Pirates host Delaware State. The American Athletic Conference has announced its football opponents for the 2024 season. The Pirates will host UTSA, FAU, Temple, and Navy. They will travel to Tulsa, North Texas, Army, and Charlotte. The Pirates have landed a kicker-punter Ethan Shumped out of Park Ridge, Illinois for the class of 2024. Coastal Carolina former quarterback Grayson McCall has announced he will be taking his talents to Raleigh and join the NC State Wolfpack for his final year of eligibility. Today the NFL announced it has added a new location to the 2024 International Series as Brazil will host an NFL game next season. The date of the game as well as what day of the week it will be played on is still to be determined. The league also announced Announced that Super Bowl 61 will be in SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. That will conclude the 2026-27 NFL season. It will be just five years after SoFi Stadium hosted Super Bowl 56. In other NFL news, it appears that the Bill Belichick era may be coming to an end in New England after this season. Multiple reports have came out that owner Robert Kraft will be bringing in will not be bring, bringing in the six-time Super Bowl winning head coach back in 2024. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. On the other side of this timeout, we'll have more with Doug Martin as we look ahead to the bowl season as the bowl games will start this Saturday. You ready for this? Oh, I'm very ready. Okay, ready? You ready? Streaming to the world at 943thegame.com. This is the Patrick Johnson Show. Now in all his glory, here's a P-Man. Okay, uh, we've got, uh, again, breaking news. If you uh, missed it, there's been a uh, a ruling, and uh, the NCAA will uh, allow two-time transfers for a 14-day period to uh, play until a uh, next court uh, appearance will occur on the 27th. That means Cam Hayes is uh, immediately eligible to play for uh, East Carolina uh, tomorrow in uh, Lakeland, Florida, against the Gators. So uh, that is uh, the potential of what could uh, what could happen. We've got uh, Doug Martin with us. Bowl games are uh, beginning Saturday. Wow. Um any of them catch your fancy? Uh, I, I know App State's playing Miami of Ohio in the um, Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl, which will be played in Orlando. So this is uh, App State with a chance to win nine games if they get a victory. Yeah, I think, you know, bowl games are about matchups, you know, the good matchup. I think that's a good matchup, App State and Miami, Ohio. Miami, Ohio just had one of their best years, and I think they won ten games. Is that right this year? Nine, ten games? Yeah, I believe so, yes. 
Uh-huh. Well, that's right. Yeah. And, and, you know, really played strong down the stretch. And, and that place has a lot of tradition. I mean, it's a beautiful campus, uh, you know, a cradle of coaches, they call it. I mean, all sorts of great coaches have come through that Miami, Ohio pro- program. So them and App State, that, that is one that would be fun to watch. Um, I'll just ask you about these other ones. Uh, why not? Everything begins Georgia Southern and Ohio. Matching up at the yeah, Myrtle yeah. Beach Bowl. Yeah, I, I haven't seen a lot of Georgia Southern. I know Ohio is another one of those programs. You know, Frank Solich came back and built that program at Ohio right. from literally from nothing into, you know, a, a traditional winner and it did a great job. And they've kind of carried on. His staff is still the same staff that's there. They just kind of promoted from within uh, when right, Frank right, retired. Right. And so it's kind of just kept going. So, you know, I, I would favor Ohio in that one, although I would tell you their quarterback is in the transfer portal and probably uh, won't play in that bowl game, and that that's a that's going to make a big difference. Uh, O'Rourke's his name, and he'll be a highly sought-after quarterback for the, you know, some power conference. All right, uh, the New Orleans Bowl, the RNL Carrier New Orleans Bowl, Jacksonville State and Louisiana on Saturday at two fifteen. What do you what do you got on this one, Coach? Yeah, I mean Jacksonville State has been remarkable. You know, uh, yeah. Rich Rod's done a great job coaching there, getting players. I mean, they've taken all sorts of transfers, and you've gotten a lot of SEC transfers in there. I mean, they look the part already. So I mean. The, the jump that they've taken as fast as they've done, it's really been impressive. I, I haven't seen Louisiana, Louisiana play much this year. Um, you know, that traditionally has been a really strong Sunbelt program. They've got power conference facilities there. They can recruit with anybody with their facilities. Um, but Rich Ross has done a great job. So, you know, again, probably good good matchup. Uh, a couple more I want to ask you about. Your old stomping grounds, New Mexico State, uh, maybe only the third or fourth time in a bowl ever. Maybe. Well, uh, yeah, probably the fifth bowl. We went to the first bowl okay. in 57 years when I was there right. and won. They got in one last year, although they weren't technically eligible, they got in. And then so right. this one, this probably this is the third bowl for them in the modern era, I would say that. Okay. So. All right. At Fresno or taking on Fresno in the New Mexico Bowl. Um, so yeah, again, how do you see that yeah. one shaking out? Fre- Fresno is always kind of interesting. They're always – Seems like they're always in the postseason making a bowl. Fresno's a tremendous program, a lot of tradition there. A lot, of, it's a football school. You know, it's just one of those, it's kind of like in East Carolina. It's one of those places where those kids play with a chip on their shoulder. Um, you know, they're from the valley there. You'll see the V on the back of their helmets. That's for the valley that they recruit out of down there. A lot of pride in that program. I, I would think if, if, Fresno doesn't have players opting out, then I would anticipate they probably win that game. But, uh, you know, again, New Mexico State's had a great year. Uh, they've moved into a conference, which has really helped them, Conference USA, which is a horrible conference, but, but at least they're in right. one. So it's helped them schedule, right. it's helped them schedule a lot better than what, you know, we had to do when I was there. And so it's made it a lot easier for them. Uh, but I, I'd still say probably Fresno in that one. All right, we got UCLA at Boise Saturday night. That'll be on ABC. That is in Los Angeles, and that is the L.A. Bowl. And I think this is an interesting matchup. It is because you probably got a Boise team that's really excited to be there. And, you know, they had an interim head coach that I think was promoted to be the head coach. Right. So I'm sure the players are all excited about that. And they are probably going to be excited to be there. I don't know how excited UCLA will be to be there. And that's probably the difference in that game if it goes Boise's way that probably would be the difference. 
Independence Bowl, Shreveport, Louisiana. California, Texas, and Texas Tech. California and Texas Tech. Uh, so wow. Cal ends up making a bowl. How about that? Yeah, that's big, especially, you know, the Pac-12 ending and, and, and them not being a part of it anymore. You know, again, those games, I, I, I go back to again, Patrick, you know, who wants to be there and, and who's opting out? And, and I don't know enough about those two programs yep. right now to know that. I would assume that Cal probably is going to be real excited to be in a bowl game. Uh, just no matter where it is. I mean, there are no bad bowl games. Bowl games are fun no right, matter yeah. where you go. So so as long as your players are, are excited about playing in one, you, you've got an advantage. I'd say probably Cal would have an advantage in that from, from that standpoint. What was formerly known as the Bahamas Bowl is now being played at Jerry Richardson Stadium in Charlotte. It'll be Monday. Our guy, Sonny Sunholder, who is celebrating his birthday today, Jay Sunholder, is going to be on the national radio call for that, but you got Western Carolina and Old Dominion, future pirate opponent in ODU there. Uh, and Old Dominion, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they had to win in the last week of the season to get bowl eligible. Yeah, Old Dominion really finished strong. I, you know, they, they played well down the end. They played really good defense. So, I mean, man, you go from the Bahamas to Charlotte, huh? <laughs> that's, that's tough. That's tough there. Oh, man. Probably get better barbecue in Charlotte, but that's true. Next Tuesday, uh, UTSA and Marshall. Uh, so a couple pirate opponents from this year Texas San Antonio. Yeah. Uh, they'll be in the Frisco Bowl out in Texas. What, uh, what do you think of that matchup? Well, if Frank Harris is playing in the game, then, you know, UTSA looks a lot better. And, you know, Marshall's had a lot of turnover in coaches, I think, at the end of the season here, which may, could make a big impact on that game also. So you don't know how really how that's, uh, how that's going to affect them. All right. Let me ask you this. Uh, I'm not, I'm not asking you to criticize a fellow coach, but, uh, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, discord, let's just say in uh, Chapel Hill after what has kind of gone down. Mac Brown has, in a sense, done what he was brought in to do, resurrect the program. Uh, do you see Mac Brown being a lifer guy? I mean, you say you say Saban is, is staying to the bitter end. Is Mac Brown, because he loves being around the kids, loves being yeah, around Yeah, he does. I think it's two different dynamics, though. You know, Nick Saban, he loves coaching. I mean, he wants to be on the field. He wants to be in the middle of drills. He wants to be working with the DBs. I mean, he is a football coach in the true essence of the word, and that's what motivates him. You know, Mac Brown is more of a CEO. He's not, I guarantee you, he is not coaching during practice. Right. He's overseeing <laughs> things. He's watching it. And, and a lot of guys, and I'm not demeaning him for that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of coaches that do it that way and have been very successful. Joe Paterno was one of those guys who was very successful doing it that way. Bear Bryant was one of those old-time guys that did it that way. But it's just different. There's a lot less on their plate. So, you know, I, I, I think Mac does enjoy being around the players, and he enjoys that CEO part of things enough to where probably it motivates him to keep doing it. And as long as he's healthy, I'm sure he'll probably, uh, you know, keep rolling that way. I, I believe he wants to ultimately be the AD there, but maybe he just wants to stick coaching ball and, as you say, being the CEO. Uh, Pilk reported it. It came out, I guess, last night. I saw it this morning. Uh, it doesn't look like that uh, Belichick is going to be brought back uh, to uh, New England. You had a guy in Edelman, that jersey behind you, that played uh, for him and, and won Super Bowl, maybe a couple. 
yeah. with Edelman. And uh, is that a guy who hangs it up, or does he does he resurface somewhere? Mm. Man, that's hard to say. I, I could see him maybe taking a year off to to reload and then coming back. You know, kind of like a Dick Vermeil type thing. I do think he loves to coach. I think he, he, he's, it's just in his blood. It was in his dad's blood. His dad was an old time coach at Navy. And, you know, I, I find it hard to believe that he would just give it up. Um, but I, I tell you what, it does go to show. And then you always get that deal of, you know, who was it? Brady or Belichick that was responsible right. for all the success. And I'm just going to tell you it was both. You know, you had just the perfect storm with those two guys. You know, they were fit. And, you know, he hasn't really been able to find that since Tom Brady left, and, and that's obvious. And then, But, you know, Tom Brady really didn't. He, although he won a Super Bowl when he went to Tampa Bay, he didn't have the same numbers and the, play the same that he did when he was with Belichick and had that New England deal going. So, you know, it's both those guys. Uh, so I, I kind of I hate to see that for him. I'd, I'd like to see him go out winning uh, and, and leave on his own terms. But, you know, that's the nature of the game. He just might, he, uh, as you say. He, he, speaking of Saban, he may be, he may go there and be a consultant or an analyst or something for a year. Wouldn't that be? I, you know, I, I certainly could see him doing something like yeah. that for a year. You know, like I said, a Denver yeah. Mill thing and then kind of coming back. You know, he's, he's obviously, he's not going to go do any of the broadcasting. He's not going to be in the no. media doing any of that no. stuff. That, no, no, that's no. not in his wheelhouse at all. So, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's about coaching with him for sure. Hey, uh, Coach, great to talk to you. Uh, I, I, let's put us on your book next week so we can talk more bowl games. If you want to do it, <laughs> can we get you to do Sounds it next good. week? That's Okay, all right, excellent. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of other things to talk about because there always is. All right. Well, if not, Thank we'll you, make Doug. something up. All right, we will. Hey, I hope, I hope the fish are biting tomorrow, by the way. Well, if they're not, it's still a good day. Yeah, there you go. All right, see you, man. Right, we'll see there you he goes. You. Coach Doug Martin. Uh, great to have him on. He's awesome. Okay, uh, we'll take a break, uh, come back, and kind of uh, reset everything, get you ready for tomorrow, and, uh, again, tell you about the big breaking news that uh, came out this afternoon involving uh, East Carolina on a couple of fronts. Uh, stay with us. The Patrick Johnson Show rolls on right after this. And now... The stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, in case you missed it today, news uh, coming in that uh, Cam Hayes will be eligible for the Pirates, at least uh, for the game tomorrow and the game a week from uh, today at... uh, home against Delaware State. He'll be eligible to play. Now, whether or not he'll play or not, uh, still still working to figure all of that out. We will see. But uh, can tell you that uh, because of uh, this NCAA court case that'll be heard on the 27th, the NCAA is granted uh, kind of a two-week window to be able to have um, two-time transfers eligible to play. So anybody that's got a game or games in this stretch, of course, includes the holidays and final exams, so the schedules are fairly light, uh, they'll have an opportunity to come out and uh, play in the um, in these games uh, over the next two weeks. What is interesting about all of that is uh, 
it will not count against their eligibility should uh, the courts rule with the uh, NCAA having the uh, autonomy to basically prevent them from uh, from from playing if you're a two-time transfer, which is something they did tighten up on this year. I kind of think that this is going to wind up being uh, personally kind of an interesting uh, – I mean, it, 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 to me, you can't put the genie back in the bottle on this uh, – and the lamp back on this thing. You can't put the genie back uh, in the bottle, as it were. Just can't. So if they're going to play, I don't see how you could play them and and then not have them have them sit out the rest of the way. That that to me would be problematic. Could the Pirates use Cam Hayes? Absolutely. The uh, other piece of news uh, that was breaking news out today, in case you missed it, uh, the football opponents in the conference have been released. Home games for the Pirates against FAU, Navy, Temple, and Texas San Antonio. Road trips to Charlotte. Denton, Texas, to play North Texas, Tulsa to take on the Golden Hurricane, and uh, West Point to play Army. Uh, that would be a great trip if you were going to go on one, I would say, uh, head up there to that one because it is uh, gorgeous uh, up there. Pilkey, is there anything else that I missed today with all of this pirate breaking news? We were going to talk the Belichick thing. We kind of did uh, a little bit with uh, with um, Doug Martin there, Uh you think he goes to the Panthers, Pilk? Would you want him to go to the Panthers? I don't know. It's this team needs so much work, and he's seventy-one. So I don't know. I wouldn't be opposed to it. I was kind of hoping Jim Harbaugh, but I think he does go somewhere because he's t- he is chasing Don Shula's record for all-time winningest coach, and uh, I still think he's got like twenty wins or something to go. So I do it's see him 15 going somewhere. Or, it's fifteen or seventeen, something okay. like. I mean, it would be you either have to have like an undefeated season or an amazing season. Uh, or you'd have to probably take a couple seasons. But if you go somewhere like Charlotte, it might take a while. You, it might it might take you it might take you seven or eight seasons. It might take you seventeen years to get Panthers. seventeen wins at this rate, Patrick. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean you just you just don't know. You just don't know. Um, tomorrow, Jim Zoki, speaking of the Panthers, will join us, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about the Belichick thing with uh, Zoke and some other goings-on in the NFL. Uh, we really haven't talked about on this show the Mahomes meltdown, which just seemed childish the other day. And it was the correct call. It wasn't like it was the they got screwed on a call. I mean, it was the correct call. The flag was thrown at the snap. I mean, it just so happened that the play went for a touchdown. And he just he lost his marbles. And then his wife was putting stuff on social media. and Well, does that really surprise you? Well, no, I was going to say, I don't think that curried any uh, favor in their camp. But just the way he acted. Pilk, make a note. Let's pull that audio for tomorrow, his reaction in the post-game press conference. Okay. Do you want me to pull his apology that he put out yesterday as well? Yeah, let's pull that also. Probably won't get to it. But, no, we, if, if, we'll play that. But, I mean, I just want to – I understand he was emotional and all that, but he was just very whiny. Uh, thanks to Doug Martin, another great show with him. Really appreciate his time uh, drastically uh, for being on with us here on these uh, midweek shows during the football season. Thanks also to Philip the Ref Pilkington. And uh, we will be back uh, with you in the morning on Talk of the Town and then right here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Have a great rest of your evening. Thank you.